Hello and welcome to Connected episode 307. It is made possible this week by our sponsors, Squarespace, ExpressVPN, and Mint Mobile. My name is Stephen Hackett and I am joined by Mr. Mike Hurley. Hello. How are you? Fine. Warm. Fine and warm. Fine and warm. Like a, a baby wrapped in cloth or a fresh loaf of bread. I prefer loaf of bread, but yes, like I'm, I'm like a fresh baked loaf of bread over here. Uh, and we're also joined by Federico Vitici. Hello, hi. I guess you're also probably warm. Everyone's warm. I am. I am like a hot slice of pizza, <laughs> and all the mozzarella is melted on top of it. Oh. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> no, that's fine. It's fine to have the mozzarella melted. That's that's fine. Yeah. What's a a melting situation that's not good in Italian food? A melting situation. Well. Um, a melted tiramisu. A melted tiramisu. I was about to say uh, a melted gelato, where all the you know the different flavors have mixed together. Also very Ooh. bad. Yeah, yeah, doesn't sound <laughs> good. It's terrible. <laughs> not good. <laughs> not good. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, we have some very important follow up. Last week we spoke about the company Tipco. Somehow I don't remember how. Uh, they were so I was trying to think of this they were a company that sued Apple for something that's right yes I think so anyways and we said oh they are real turns out not only are they real but they're a sponsor of at least one F1 team they had rendezvous uh, yeah, so Kim wrote in, which is it's kind of it's just, it's just the kind of coincidence that like makes you wonder if we if you live in a simulation that that my favorite racing driver Lewis Hamilton on his helmet is the brand Tipco. They are a sponsor of the Mercedes F1 <laughs> team. You know, it's like what kind of what kind of world do we live in where some kind of coincidence like that can occur? But because it's like I'd never heard of this company, I'd never seen this logo before, but yet I have seen this logo a lot. I wonder if Blah Blah Car sponsors any F1 teams. They don't, but well, that I know of. Yeah, I was gonna say. What do I know? Last week, Federico, you spoke about the COVID notification you got saying that you were all fine, which again, I agree is a bad notification, Uh, but some other people wrote in, uh, Simon said they had also received this notification, and like you, they basically had a heart attack when they saw it, Um, and it uh, turns out that this is, is part of the OS. We were debating that or not, or something like the app you had in it. Force it. It is part of Apple's exposure notification framework, and uh, that's what provides all the information um, of encounters with app users. And eventually, whenever Phase Two comes, uh, just with the user directly, without an app necessarily installed. So, so in the news today, that uh, our uh, app in England is um, is going into testing. Oh, oh based nice. on on Google and Apple's thing. So. Maybe in a couple of weeks we'll we'll have it set up. That's cool. Well, I mean, it will be cool for me to get all of those terrifying. Uh, yeah. Wait, I, I haven't gotten any more of those, by the way. Oh, that's Only w- one time. So yeah. Uh oh. Well, maybe it just hasn't been a week yet. It was a mm. weekly update, wasn't it? Oh, it hasn't been a week then. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, you're, oh and my god. As is everything in life, there was an XKCD comic. Obviously. Uh, about exposure notifications since our last episode, because you would assume similar thing happened to the XKCD person. 
and then it's just <laughs> the notification says, "Good news! You recently had close contact with someone who was not tested positive for COVID." <laughs> <laughs> Which is very funny. It's very. It's really like I get it that you're trying to give me good news, but just it's the fact that I'm seeing that notification. That's yeah. Well, it's it's well because it's the double speak of it, right? Like you recently had close contact with someone who has not Mm. tested positive. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like I really feel like these apps and these systems are should be designed in a way that no news is good news. And the moment that you give me a notification, like my heart is going to skip a beat no matter what. It's like, what it should be like is like those wild weather alert systems that you have in America. Just let me know when something really bad has has happened or is about to happen. Yeah, it's like like you don't get a notification every day like, weather's fine! Like that doesn't happen. (laughs) Like exclamation (laughs) mark, the weather is sunny. Like, okay. (laughs) It's all good! Like it doesn't, you know. Uh, Like imagine getting like one of those... Uh, what's it, what are they called? Like the, the the U.S. alerts for like kidnapped people. Yeah, uh, Amber Alert. The Amber. Imagine getting like an Amber Alert that says nobody has been has been kidnapped. And like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> no crime, <laughs> no crime, no cri- Good news. <laughs> we couldn't find any crimes around you. Children are all safe. <laughs> we looked really hard, but it's all good. So yeah, I mean, I I appreciate the weekly update. I just wish that it wasn't on by default. Like, I can't imagine why there may be some people may actually like the idea of, of a weekly update. It's just the idea of it being on by default and the fact that I didn't even know that it was on that surprised me in a very bad way. I kind of assume that at some point in the future I will get like a tandem notification. Like one is screen time telling me I used my phone too much and then the next one is the COVID app telling me that like I'm fine. <laughs> like I can test those two like things. I'm like, oh God. It's like a one-two punch for me. Yeah. Screen time. Did you still, do you guys still use it? This is my question. <laughs> I, I you just said the words in a high-pitched voice. That's not a question. <laughs> Screen time? Yeah, it was like a eureka moment. It was more like, it wasn't really a question. It was more like, this is, I've, I've created a subheading, which is screen time. And then my question was going to be, do you do anything with screen time? Um, not anymore. And I feel like that's the kind of feature that was the result of like conversations that that we would have on the internet and on social media a couple of years ago mm-hmm. like i really feel like it was the you know to go back to something that we mentioned in the pre-show which by the way only connected pro listeners can get access to uh where can people go can where can people go mike if they want to sign up for connected go pro? to get can no go to <laughs> No, no, come on. <laughs> Wait, connectedpro.co. That's where you go. Connectedpro.co. And you can Perfect. sign up $5 a month and you get more content and no ads. So I, I really feel like screen time and sort of this like quality of life features around notifications, but especially screen time and the idea of we're spending too much time looking at our phones. Like that feature was the byproduct of changes in social media a few years ago, n- namely starting in 2016 with the political situation and landscape changing in the US, we started spending 
of course, a lot of time on social media, been horrified by what we were seeing on social media and on the news in general. And then I guess it was only natural to say, well, maybe we need to curb, you know, this time that we're spending on our phones because it's not good for us. And therefore, initiatives like uh, screen time were born a couple of years ago. And I feel like we are now moving past that because maybe we just learn to accept that everything is horrible. And it's like, yeah, we're looking at our phones anyway. Get off my back, screen time. I'm just going to look at my phone and, you know, at least I get to talk to my friends, especially now with the pandemic and everything. Like, yeah, just, I don't care. I'm going to spend five hours on my phone because I'm chatting and FaceTiming with my friends. Like, I don't need your, you know, I don't need your judgment, screen time. So I think it still has a place for families and for parental controls, not so much for individuals like us, maybe. So I've just opened screen time and have noticed that since I've been using this Mac Mini on Catalina, that data is coming in here, which is new to me, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is the first time a Mac has ever, like, reported yes. into my screen time. And I have things that are very confusing to me, like that on Wednesday I had activity in the music app for seven and a half hours and I don't know how that is possible. That doesn't (laughs) seem like something that I would have done. So like I'm really kind of puzzled now. Uh, But also the funny thing is because I now have it on my Mac, can you guess what application is dominant, like vastly dominant for me in screen time? Finder. Apple News. (laughs) Can we both of you take more serious guesses? Okay. Uh, Logic. No, no, it's not going to be logic. Otherwise, you wouldn't have asked the question. Safari. OmniFocus. Skype. Ah, <laughs> Skype. Okay. Skype. Oh, okay. I have screen time turned off on my Mac Pro. Turn on. Well, I guess it makes sense. You have you host like 20 podcasts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I would love more information about that music group thing, though. I don't understand how that happened. I would say the screen time is a really cool widget in iOS 14. Does it? Yeah, there's a lot of like there's a there's a graph in there. There's like multiple sections. It's really nicely done, like a very. Ni- it's basically the screen time page, but in a widget, and especially in the large version of the widget, it's really quite impressive, um, graphically speaking. <laughs> I just sorry, I just came across something which is hilarious. You can you know pickups. Yeah. Like like you can you can see how many pickups right yeah. device pickups you've had. Mm-hmm. Apparently. I pick up my Mac. Uh, I had nine device pickups. Uh, yeah, I think that's wake from sleep is how they how they do it. But they they didn't. I, change I'm sure the text. that's what it means. But that, that it shouldn't be called pickups, which is just kind of hilarious. Yeah. Well, really. you need it's a computer called. with handles and wheels, you know. Uh, and then you mm. can then you can pick it up. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this before. All electronics should have a handle, like the GameCube, or wheels, like the Mac Pro. Yeah, so, can I talk I about Mac Pro wheels? Uh, why don't we take a break first and then you can talk about my pro wheels just chucking and jiving all over the place here yep moving things along this episode of connected is brought to you by squarespace make your next move with squarespace it lets you easily create a website for your next idea with unique domain name award-winning templates and more maybe you need a online store or you need to host a portfolio you want to write a blog Well, Squarespace is the only one platform that lets you do all of that stuff on a single website. And there's nothing to install, no server patches to worry about, no upgrades are needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has got it covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. 
lets you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, and all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. One of my favorite things about Squarespace is that you can hand the keys to somebody and they can update the content, add all sorts of texts and photos and embed videos, do all this stuff, and they can't break the site because Squarespace has a really great content editor and you, you, you can't get in a situation where you've uploaded a photo and suddenly it's twice as wide as the page. Squarespace just manages all that for you. Their plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash connected. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code connected to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain name and to show your support for the show. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash connected and the code connected to get 10% off your first purchase. I'd like to thank Squarespace for their support of the show and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Tell us about Mac Pro wheels. Did you buy a seven hundred dollar set of wheels? Is that what you're telling us? Is that how much they cost? Seven? I did not. <laughs> I did not do that. Uh, but uh, OWC has uh, announced a product called Rover Pro, and what these are? It's a set of uh, four wheels, and they have a collar, and they have like the wheel part, and it goes over the foot of your Mac Pro. So you don't have to like take it apart and take the feet apart with a weird screwdriver. Uh, they just screw over the feet and uh, they're they're all made of uh, metal and the wheels look really nice. They're going to be $249 for the set or $200 if you pre-order. And get this, it comes with a set of wheel stops. <laughs> Unlike Apple's $700 wheels. Coming with a set of wheel stops is nice, but I think it would have been better if they would have put a brake on the wheel. I do too, because you have to kind of like pick up the Mac Pro to get it out of the wheel stop a little bit. Oh, they're like chocks, right? So you could just like tilt it and put yeah. it in there, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. I definitely pre-ordered a set because I want to do a video on them, and it's not $700. I was not going to do that. So this is, uh, this is exciting. I think it looks really nice. OWC makes nice stuff. They look really nice. Have you considered that maybe like the better video is comparing mm. <laughs> look man we're really trying to get you to buy those wheels we're just trying to buy the really, <laughs> we really we really want you to buy them <laughs> because now if you do it to compare them you will have spent two hundred dollars more than you needed to mm-hmm. oh yeah no that wasn't lost on me yeah because then you've bought both sets of wheels but you're saying a comparison video is a good idea is what you're saying a comparison video is the best idea think i so? think so yeah well because what you're like oh i got these wheels and now it's got wheels right hooray but now if you're able to compare and say like oh now i've used apple's wheels and the owc wheels i can say that the OWC wheels are better for what you're getting. But you might say, you know what? Now I've used Apple's wheels. Mm-hmm. I would prefer to spend the extra $500 and get a superior experience. Or, you know, who knows? That is a good point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this Mac Pro is becoming, like for everyone that owns it, mm-hmm. like just an absolute money pit. Yeah. Everyone that I know that bought one of these things continues to spend money on it constantly. Apple are geniuses, right? They made everybody wait. 
charge them way too much for the computer itself and then continue to like get more money out of these people constantly. <laughs> You're still going to give constantly them money. <laughs> because these are also the same people that can't help themselves, right? <laughs> and they like, just, want to keep like spending Steven. money on their computer. <laughs> yeah. Buying a Mac Pro is like buying a house. It's it true. costs way more money than you think it will. And then you can't stop renovating it. It's true. It's very good. Very good analogy. And then like you buy an expensive display and that's like paving the pathway and putting a new roof on the garage, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you just keep going and going and going forever. We'll we'll see what video comes out the other (laughs) end. (laughs) I guess, I guess we will. Did you buy one of those expensive cables? What what expensive cables? They're like $129 USB-C cable. Does a $129 USB-C cable? The fabric wrap Thunderbolt one? Basically, Apple made a USB-C cable that eliminates the question of what USB-C cable do, what should I buy to get all the features I need. No, it's the Thunderbolt cable that comes with the Pro Display. They just have it sold separately now. No, but it's like it removes like the, oh, is this one going to work with my eGPU or not? Or is this one going to... Like, that's, that's what this cable gives you, right? Like, it does... 40 gigabit a second data transfer. It's USB 3.1 Gen 2. Is that super speed? Did that get named? I forget what they call what. Well, anyway, it's a really expensive US Thunderbolt 3 cable uh, that if you buy, you can, I don't know, feel like you've got everything you needed. I don't know. Can you also use it like as a rope? Like as besides, you know, data transfer? Probably. At least you can justify the expense. Like if you need to, I don't know, Steven, you have a pickup truck. You can mm-hmm. do something with, with, with that cable, you know? I mean, if it's anything like the power cable on the Mac Pro, it's really nice, but... But you don't have it. No. Right. Not as a standalone. But, you, you, but you've lived on... You, you, you have considered the option. Though. I mean, I printed the page and, like, taped it on the inside of my wallet, but... One sure. day. Yeah, it's a goal. Oh, it's a ve- Hashtag I'm, I'm looking at the picture now. Goals. It's a very nice, it's a very nice, very nice cable indeed. It is a very oh. nice cable. All right, moving on just quickly. Watch OS 7 and Big Sur public betas are out. This happened right after we recorded last week. Uh, Jason has a first look at the Big Sur public beta. It's, uh, you know, it's Big Sur. We've been talking about it. Uh, the public beta is uh, was delayed for whatever reason. Apple hasn't been really clear on why, but it's here now. And Watch OS 7 is here as well. I have, um, I have no interest in touching the Watch OS 7 beta at this point with no Apple Store open. So I'm uh I'm gonna leave the watch on watch OS six until it comes out. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm on the watch OS seven beta. Okay. Um I think it's I think it's better than the iOS fourteen beta on my phone. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> well uh, well look at you know we spoke about this last time. Like the the, the, the beta is was has gotten worse this round. Uh-huh. I don't we don't know why, but it had been okay, uh, but the watchOS seven beta is feels stable. It feels okay to me. And this I is the public or developer beta? For, for developer beta. I'm I'm not on the Dave. Dave's been bad to you. Dave. So you want is that like Dave beta four for the watch? I think so. And have you yeah. been running the watchOS seven beta since, since the beta beginning? One. Yes. Okay, I couldn't remember if that was the case. Hey, do you have any takeaways from WatchOS 7 so far? Not really. I think what I've noticed so far is that adding and managing complications is a lot nicer on the watch face. Okay. Um, 
just because it's uh, like the the whole edit screen is different now and uh, um, it, like all the pages have been redesigned and for each complication they are grouped in sections so like uh, the same app can offer multiple complications and when mm. you go into that screen it's all they're all nicely grouped together so it's very nice to choose between multiple complications for the same app so that's very cool it sounds a little bit like the widget thing on ios yeah it's kind of like that it's really kind of like that you open a configuration page and each app can have multiple things assigned to it is it better to have set them up in the phone app or on the watch i think it's actually nicer to do so on the watch now huh um because it's just more like you see an actual preview of the complication in there okay so i think Hmm. it's a lot nicer to do on the watch something that i don't like is that due to the removal of um, force touch, we mentioned this before, clearing all notifications now on the watch, uh, like clearing all notifications at once Mm. is kind of terrible because you need to scroll all the way to the top of the notification list to find the clear button. Um, This button should really be at the bottom because like, I always forget to dismiss notifications as they come in. And so later I have to scroll and scroll to find this button at the top of the list. Um, and what is nice, I think also, like what I've noticed is that obviously shortcuts. Shortcuts is on the watch. So uh, I've assigned a couple of shortcuts that I can run uh, directly on the watch. So that's cool. And I'm still putting around. What does that mean? Like, can you explain that to me? Uh, like, so there's a shortcuts app, first of all. So like you can actually run shortcuts directly on the watch. Um, so that's nice. And other shortcuts you can install as complications. Um, so you can put a complication for a specific shortcut on your watch face. And when you tap it, it opens the shortcuts app and runs the shortcut on the watch. It doesn't, um, it doesn't run on the phone, right? It runs mm-hmm. on the watch itself. So like it can mm. present lists and show you data or create reminders in my case like that that kind of stuff it happens directly on the watch um so like i've been playing around with the idea of creating home kit complications for example um to control specific accessories yeah. or i have these reminders shortcuts that give me lists of tasks and those can can run on the watch as complications. But I assume there's like limits to that, right? Like not every shortcut that I can run on my phone could run on the watch, surely. I I think it will be possible. But what if like and like a app doesn't have a watch app? So in that so Apple basically presented like three different possible scenarios and the app that doesn't have a watch counterpart is one of them. In that case, it will fall back to the phone. But it's also possible, like, one of the scenarios is that if you have an iPhone, so if you have a shortcut that requires a shortcut action for a third-party app, and if that app has a watch version, they can support shortcuts, and they can support, um, thanks to uh, parameters, they can run directly on the watch without taking you to the phone at all. So it's totally possible for developers to make actions that run. Yeah. I can't get my head around that. So like if you have like, for example, let's just say that OmniFocus makes a watch app that runs on WatchOS 7. Okay. And you create a shortcut, right? That uses an OmniFocus action to do something. Um, If if all the, if OmniFocus is up to, you know, 
uses the latest stuff in watchOS 7 and shortcuts, it'll run directly on the watch. So if you install right. it on the watch and say you have an action that oh, right. creates, I don't know, a task in OmniFocus with a specific due date or something, it'll run on the watch. But so then what if I, well, so then in that same instance, right, say I had a, an OmniFocus shortcut, but OmniFocus didn't have a watch app. Uh, you run it on the watch and it'll say continue on your iPhone. And if my iPhone is in location, would it still do it or would it be like a... You know what I mean? Like if 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 my phone was near my watch and they were connected, would it yeah. still run the shortcut on my watch? No, I think it'll tell you to continue on the phone. Okay, so there has to be, it has to to use the new shortcut stuff for it to happen I on think the watch. For it to run independently, I think it needs to be on the watch. Like you need to, and I need to look into this again. And independently means. See, this is where this is where watch independence as a phrase yeah. has become really complicated because it means multiple things now, depending on what year you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, independently for for shortcuts means like the phone is not involved at all, right? Yeah. So let's say you're out for a run, yeah, and you have a shortcut on your watch, and that shortcut involves a third party action. My understanding of this, and I le- and I need to look into this again because I'm not. Like, I'm not writing about shortcuts on the watch, obviously. Um, but I think the way that it works is if you have the watch app installed and if the watch app runs on watchOS 7 and supports modern shortcut actions with parameters, it'll run on the watch, right. uh, even if the phone is not nearby. I think that's the way it works. Like Maybe this just comes from me not using an Apple Watch regularly enough, and I reckon it probably is that. But like I still kind of can't get my head around the idea of the Apple Watch as an independent computer of its own. It still feels very much to me like when I think of the Apple Watch, like it needs the phone. So like when I hear things like that, I'm kind of like, wait, really? Because I know that there's like things the watch has been able to do for a while. Like you can put music on it and stuff, right? But I think this comes from the last time that I was using my Apple Watch was the first time that Apple said that the Apple Watch could do things independently and it couldn't really, right? Like when they put LTE on the watch, right? And it was like, oh, it'll be fine now. But everything took like a million years to load Mm -hmm. still, right? Like it almost felt like the original Apple Watch again. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess now it does. It seems like that. So like it's responsive and stuff when it's doing that, when it's running those shortcuts. You found? I think it's pretty good, honestly. Like it, they mm-hmm. run reasonably fast, and like some stuff that involves, like for example, fetching uh, like a lot of reminders lists all at once and presenting lists uh, like to choose from. Mm-hmm. It takes a few. Like it, it's a bit slower than the phone, obviously. But also, like, I'm not having a great experience with shortcuts on the phone at the moment either. No. So, <laughs> no, it's a little anything menu or list related is what? Or yeah, typing in yeah. messages or using mm-hmm. the camera or. Well, okay, but like specifically about shortcuts, but yes, there are there are problems throughout the the, the, the current Dave. Shortcuts right now, shortcuts right now, you cannot on the iPad, you cannot even press command return to like confirm text <laughs> in a in an alert like it used to be that shortcuts would bring up an alert and you would type text into the box and you would just do like in any other app you would do command return to dismiss the alert right it do- it doesn't work right now and if you press return i think it 
dims the screen or something like that. Like it, it's super broken at the moment. It's kind of uh, like shh. It's like shh, you're not supposed to do this yet. Go go back to whatever it is you were doing. Yeah. Um, but I think like so. My summary of Watch OS Seven is I've tried the hand washing reminder stuff. Mm-hmm. It was cool for a couple of hours, and then it started telling me to to um, to wash my hands when I was doing like random things like um, grating my Parmigiano cheese, for example. But I thought uh, they spent years on that. Sure, maybe <laughs> maybe they should have grated more Parmigiano. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but it was picking up a lot of false positives. Uh, so I disabled that, and I don't know what else is new. Uh, really, um, the complication stuff I've noticed, shortcuts I've noticed. I guess there's gonna be like uh, changes. Have you looked at the sleep tracking? N- no, no, because I found it to be really. Um, I have a couple of problems with that. Uh, first is the idea of winding down. It doesn't really work for me. Uh, my sleep schedule is too irregular, especially in the summer. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm going out with friends, and like sometimes I'm coming back home at one other days i'm coming back home at 3 a.m like the idea of winding down at a specific time doesn't really work for me also can you not like say to the phone like start wind down now you you can you can well no you gotta set a time right you gotta have a schedule so that doesn't really work for me and also i'm not the type of person who needs um a wind down routine like when i'm tired i'm just gonna sleep like i turn to one side of the bed that i really like and i sleep and i fall asleep like in five minutes um, I don't need like a like to do like listen to a like listen to a podcast before sleeping. I I find really curious as an idea because then you fall asleep and you don't listen to the podcast, so it kind of defeats the purpose of it. <laughs> but what that's about, though, Federico, because there is a whole genre of podcasts called sleep podcasts where all really? you're supposed to do is like you listen to this to help you go to sleep. How do they make money? Do they just do they give you the ads up front? Yes. Oh, before you fall asleep. Of course they do. Like, what else are they going to do? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by silence. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I, the, 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 the sleep routine doesn't really work for me. And the sleep tracking, I did try for a few days. And I found it to be very much inaccurate compared to, say, auto sleep or sleep plus plus. It's very bland and generic at the moment. I really, I have a feeling that it's going to be a lot better with future watch hardware. But right now it's, you know, it's basic sleep data that is not as accurate as third-party alternatives. And also you got to go into the health app. Like I just prefer to get my auto sleep notification in the morning and that's it. Um, And I honestly don't know what else is new. I guess there's going to be like a bunch of, app changes just like ios 14 like a lot lots of enhancements and feature uh you know addressing common feature requests but i haven't noticed anything else major myself i think it's fine um maybe there's gonna be a lot more again with future hardware um i honestly don't know what else is new Uh, you don't have um, the pin conversation view in messages on the watch of course and i have my usual problems with the watch like I don't know, Shazam never works for me on the watch, for example. Like the other day I was at the beach and there was this really good song playing on the on the radio and I was just like by the, uh, there's like a, a coffee shop 
right there by the beach. And I was just waving my hand in the air like an idiot, trying to put the watch close to the speaker uh, that was playing the song, and it wasn't picking up the song. And, and the owner looked at me with a funny face. I was like, I'm sorry, I just really like this song, and I'm using the watch with Shazam. And she was like, uh-huh, <laughs> like, look at this guy, look at this idiot, oh, <laughs> waving his arms around for Shazam on a watch. Um, yeah, so I don't know what else is new. I guess I'm, I should go back and read our own overview on Mac stories, maybe. <laughs> Do you guys know what else is new watching? Not me. Cycling in maps. So, yes, uh, this also doesn't work because, one, there's no cycling support for maps in Italy. And two, don't ride a bicycle in Rome unless you want to die. Um, That's probably why they don't support it. But also it's not supported. So, um, Oh, yeah, you can share watch faces. I think this is going to be pretty cool. Uh, I totally forgot about this because I don't have anybody to share a watch face with. But it's potentially interesting to... Uh, not because I don't have any friends, but because I don't have any friends running the watch for <laughs> 7 Beta. Um, the, social share, the social aspect of the sharing and the fact that they thought about that, I think, is the best... Uh, yeah. Is the most well-thought-out part of it. I mean, when has Apple ever fumbled the ball with uh, social stuff? Well, the, the good thing is they didn't try and create their own <laughs> Apple Watch social network. Right? <laughs> what would they call it? Uh, watch me <laughs> timely time oh timely oh, is a good, good. Very good name time.ly tiktok come on tiktok that's good right come on come on other new things that i should have mentioned uh dance workouts it's gonna be cool for sylvia however uh, uh, not for me oh yeah this is very nice something that i had noticed a couple of days ago actually you get a notification on your phone when your watch is fully charged, which is really nice, especially for multi multi watch users like right, myself. Right, right. They did that because of the sleep tracking, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, so maybe I should try again sleep tracking in a couple of betas, see if the situation improves. I was really not impressed, and but I did try with beta one or two, one of either beta one or two. So it was very early on in the process. Um, I tried wind down on my phone and I realized, oh, this is basically like a fancier version of bedtime, which is an existing feature. So they basically took that and added these winding down shortcuts that doesn't really work for me. I, I, like of, of all things that I have a routine for in my life, I don't want to have a routine for sleeping. Um, and I'm sorry, it's probably bad for me. I know that and I'll, you know, et cetera, but yeah. It is what it is. And uh, hand washing, really not impressed. That is something that I expect will be refined before the release version, though, right? Like, I reckon maybe try it out again before the before the shipping version. Like, I would hope and expect they would they would tighten that up. I want to try again sleep tracking, and I want to try again for sure um, the hand washing reminder. Yeah. And I want to play around. So I guess if we're working on watchOS 7 betas, please get in touch because I really want to try the new complication stuff and, and sharing watch faces. I think of all the of all features, like besides shortcuts, complications and sharing faces, I am super curious about, especially for the potential of like, you know how on the newsletter we share home screens by, uh, mm -hmm. by readers. And I think it would be pretty cool to share watch faces by readers and actually make like make them 
so that you can tap a link and install the watch face. I think that's, that's the something best part. To, that's the best part like, and something that you cannot do with the with the iPhone. It would be cool if you could share your home screen. No, I mean it would be too difficult to do with an iPhone. Yeah, right? I guess so. I guess but like so. I think the thing that works really well about the Apple Watch implementation for what I've I've looked into is that it, when you go through the process, it prompts you to install the required applications to get everything if you don't have them all. And I just think that's just genius. Like, just really is very, very clever. Anything else on Beta Land? Um, I've Not installed right Big Sur oh. on, oh. My, on an external drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can confirm everything I said. I think it looks beautiful. The icons, most of them are really nice. And uh, I think it's, it's it looks very, very pretty. But I don't have anything else to say. Uh, I think it messages super nice that it's now like a real, real app instead of whatever <laughs> it is it used to be. Um, There's something so good about that sentence which will upset so many people. It's a real app coming from the iPad. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But the thing is, like, it's now Catalyst. Like that's that's what. It's, yeah, that's why I said the real. That's why I said real app. Um, <laughs> Like all the the words I use are are there for a reason. Um, <laughs> no words out of place. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no subtext is left unconsidered. Um, anyway, yes, Big Sur looks stunning. I think it it generally like it's the first time that I'm excited for anything Mac related. Um, so I, I have, I, I will tell you, I've purchased an external drive just because I wanted to use Big Sur. So, uh, big commitment, you might say. Big Sur commitment. Big, so. big Sur commitment. <laughs> uh, but yeah, th- that about concludes my tour of WatchOS 7 and Big Sur. Uh, <laughs> so that's all you need to know. No need to, no need for reviews. Just listen to this segment in September, ideally October, and you're going to be fine. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Ideally October. <laughs> Nothing. Ideally October. Like I was reading through, there's this uh, thread happening on Twitter today between Gruber and Rambo and some other people and how uh, Gruber at some point said, uh, maybe the fact that they said that the iPhones are going to be a few weeks later, maybe it also suggests that the software is behind. And I really, and I really wish that I could like, I really want that to be true. Like I keep thinking that, it would be super nice to have until until early October. We're going to have this conversation every week. And right? I'm going to be so disappointed. It, Federico, <laughs> it would be lovely if it was true. But you can't live your life thinking that. I know, I know but imagine the thrill, right? The thrill <laughs> of the of the promise. You know, the, the adrenaline. You know that meme of like the arm with the goosebumps? <laughs> what, gives, yes, like... what makes you feel like this? Yeah, and <laughs> for Federico. <laughs> It's just iOS 14 coming in October. You need you should tweet that. That's for that, that's a funny tweet. Oh, that's a very funny tweet. I'm gonna I saw somebody in my timeline retweeting like quote tweeting a tweet yesterday with that picture. I'm mm-hmm. gonna find it and, and do my version of it. Very good idea, Michael. Thank you. My version, but yeah, it can also be your version. Your version. It's a it's a it's a, col- it's a collab, let's just say. It's a collab. Okay. It's a collab. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We collabed. This episode of Connected is brought to you by ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN lets you access the internet as if you're from a different country. So Netflix has different shows and movies available depending on where you are in the world. 
And with ExpressVPN, you can unlock thousands of new shows and movies from streaming libraries around the globe. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but ExpressVPN is ridiculously fast, meaning you can stream everything in HD quality with zero buffering. ExpressVPN is available on every device, phones, laptops, tablets, and even your TV. It works with many streaming services, including Netflix, Amazon Prime, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, and more. And you can choose to be from almost 100 different countries. It's so simple to use. Just fire up the app, change the location, and hit connect. I've been using ExpressVPN for a long time now, and they're not joking about the speed. So many other VPNs I've used in the past slow down your traffic. It's really noticeable that you're surfing through a VPN, and that is not the case with ExpressVPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash connected, and you'll get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash connected. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for the support of the show and RelayFM. I have another question for you both. As today I seem to keep thinking about things that I want to ask you features to use. Do either of you use the messages announcing via AirPods feature? Oh, so no. You, you don't no. use that? Okay. I just turned it on a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> wow, really? Uh, I was out on a bike ride and someone texted me and it was important and I missed it. Uh, and so I've turned it on. Just And, you know, I'm, I really only use my AirPods at this point when I'm exercising. I don't wear them around the house or anything. And so uh, I find that if I'm on a bike ride or working out that I'd like to, to hear those. And uh, the trick is to mute your busy group threads, like the one I'm in with the two of you and John. Um, and so if someone needs to get a hold of me, it will announce it. It makes it just makes a little noise and, you know, quietly talks to you and you can respond. I have found that I really like it, actually. Well, you say you say that the, the group thread muting actually has a, there's like a fun little bug with that, which has been around for a while, where, so let's imagine you get two messages one is from, say, me, and then one is from, say, Federico and the group thread. If you get them at the same time, it will announce them both, even if it's from a muted conversation. Mm. I have this happen quite a lot. So if I have, like, multiple message threads popping off at the same time, I will hear from all of them, even if you have it huh. muted. I haven't noticed that yet, but now I'm worried. It's, which is very annoying. Uh, but I do use this feature. I kind of like it. I've been using it the whole time. I never turned it off. And then I, it's kind of like I'm wondering if I want to keep it on or not, which is why I wanted to see if you two were using it. Federico, you just you hate it or something? Not for you? If I'm wearing AirPods, it's because I don't want to be disturbed by anybody. And I feel mm -hmm. like if it's an emergency, you're just going to call me on the phone. Uh, I don't think anybody with an emergency is going to text me. I'm like there's only like, yeah i do, don't do it for emergency reasons i just have it on and see what happens so if i'm wearing airpods is because i really want to like i want because i want to chill or because i'm working out and i'm listening to a podcast or music or i'm doing chores around the house and again i'm listening to music or podcasts and so i don't i don't enjoy having the audio be interrupted by siri the, you know uh, reciting a message because I'm just going to pick up the phone and look at it myself. I think it's faster. And I, do, I just don't enjoy the interruption of audio. Okay. Do you use it? Okay. Do you like it? 
Well, I, that's just what I'm saying. Like, I'm not. I do, and then I also don't. Sometimes funny things happen, which I enjoy. Hmm. Like, like Adina texts me today. Oh no! Of an exclamation mark. And Siri said, oh, no. And I was like, just like that. And I was like, oh, thanks, Siri. (laughs) It was just, you know, it's kind of funny um, to hear some of the ways that Siri tries to to pronounce or announce things. Um, And it's like for most of the time where I am wearing uh, AirPods, I mostly do want that. Uh, Like if I'm if I'm doing chores, then I I would like to have the messages read to me or if I'm like commuting, I would like to have the messages read to me. Um, I don't respond ever, but I do like via Siri because you can respond via Siri, right? Like I never do that, but like I find it fine to to hear them, but I'm not, it's just kind of like the the jury's still out for me with this feature. So I was wondering how you two felt about it. Now I know. Um, I'm still trying to look for that tweet, by the way. Um, Yeah. I think I've, so I have no idea. Yes, the goosebumps. I have no idea who shared it. So here's where I'm at, a real time follow up. I have no idea who shared it. However, I have an idea for how to find it. But I'm going to need your and our audience's input. So my idea is I use an advanced Twitter search to filter the people I follow and the twitter.com URL so that in that way I will find tweets that were quoting other tweets, right? However, this is not working <laughs> because I'm not finding the tweet. So I must be missing some filters along the way. Um, oh, maybe minimum retweets is an idea because it was a meme. So maybe this is the way to go. I have no idea how to help you with this. This seems like something for the Discord. They can find it, I'm sure. I have a very specific tweet in mind and I'm not finding it with filters on twitter.com. And I think I've seen it in the past two days. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, I know I've seen it. This is what made me think of it. So we both follow somebody who who did this. We both follow somebody who did this. Okay. Well, if I find it, I will let you know in real time on the Thank show. You. Yeah. So next week is Relay FM's sixth birthday. Uh, to celebrate on Tuesday at eleven thirty Eastern. That is the eighteenth of August, Tuesday, August eighteenth, eleven thirty a.m. Eastern. Mike and I will be doing a stream on the Relay Twitch channel, uh, answering your questions. So you can tweet with the hashtag RelayQA. Or use the command question mark relay QA in the Discord, and they'll go in the spreadsheet, and we're going to pick some of those and talk about that. Uh, we will also be sharing some exciting news on that stream, so be sure to uh, to tune in. Uh, it'll be up on YouTube uh, once we're done streaming, and uh, keep an eye on Twitter. We'll be reminding people as we get closer to this, but it'll be fun to see each other and and stream for a little while. Yeah, so like these are kinds of questions you want to know about what's going on at Relay FM. Um, if you kind of want to ask us big picture questions, small picture questions, medium picture questions, <laughs> history questions, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. History, history picture is what you're saying. Medium picture, history picture, history pictures, uh, any kind, any kind of picture related question or non picture related question about kind of what we're up to here at Relay FM as we celebrate yet another year around the sun. Sure. 
Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct, isn't mm-hmm. it? You go around the sun once a year. That's how yours As work. I said it, I was like, oh, God, <laughs> did I say it wrong? No, that's how it works. You know, I've recently discovered that one of my friends is a flat earther. <gasps> <laughs> yes. <gasps> so, yeah, I, 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 felt, I felt dirty myself uh, yeah so how much of a flat earther oh re- really much <laughs> also, well it all started because the same people the same person is a covid uh conspiracy of course theorist. they are of, of course, course they, they are, are right? of course and they then are. we went from there so just pause if you don't know about this phenomenon. Uh, episode 13 of Ungeniest is about flat earth societies where because Stephen writes the scripts, like the, the outlines, Stephen, I believe, made me uh, portray the role of a fl- flat earther on that episode. Um, underscore found the goosebump tweet. How? Of course. Because it's underscore. Underscore can find anything. How? He probably put all of Twitter into a YouTube he video and then like <laughs> transcribed it. Oh, thank you. Underscore can gonna... find literally anything. It's one of his many, many, many special skills. Anyway, uh, what was I saying before that? Oh, about flat earthers. All right, so mm-hmm. I want to know, Federico... Do you try and def- like argue with this person? No, 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 no. Because it does feel kind of pointless, right? I tried when like the 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 conversation began with the uh, COVID nineteen argument, and I tried for a few minutes there, and then as soon as this person started basically saying things like, "Oh, what do don't you know that the government is controlling us and COVID is like a plan for mm. big pharma, you know, the usual mm-hmm. stupid things. I just, I just, I, I checked out of the conversation there. I was like, okay, okay, sure. And then he started saying like, oh, don't you know that like other things that, that they're lying to us? Uh, for example, like he literally said, how can you know that the earth is not flat? <laughs> He started saying, like, saying things like, "Have you ever been in space? Like, can you actually personally confirm that it's a globe?" And now, at the point, you just gotta be like, "Okay, sure, sure, you have a point. Point taken. I'm not an astronaut, so uh, please disregard centuries of science." But sure, your theory is correct. Uh, there really isn't a good way to deal with discovering that a friend of yours is a conspiracy theorist. That's what I've learned. Um, it really, to, to a certain degree, it really feels like like you've lost a person there, at least for me. Like, mm. like it really feels... Like, it's not like obviously like that person died, but it really part sucks to... But part of them did, right? Yeah. It really sucks to discover <laughs> that a friend of yours thinks and believes such things that the earth is flat that COVID-19 does not exist that chemotherapy is a scam like you know it's like part of them dies with that belief and so yeah it sucks I can tell you 
if like you, personally, that it sucks. If you bury somebody who's a flat earther and you dig too deep, they just fall through the disc. I mean, <laughs> they that's fall bad. through the disc, and you know they believe that at the end, like there's no, oh gosh, there's no poles. There's like a giant ice wall. Uh, right. At the end of the disc, yeah, yeah. The giant ice wall is my favorite. Part, <laughs> and when you by climb, the way. when you co- nobody's ever climbed over the wall. <laughs> I guess if you do, you're, you're gonna fall off. So, yeah. All right. So Tuesday, <laughs> August eighteenth, eleven thirty a.m. Hashtag relay QA question mark relay QA in the Discord. We have some announcements to make too. Please join us. Yep, it'll be fun. Let's uh, let's check in on your review, Federico. So we are now basically the middle of August. Mm. iOS could be out in as little as two weeks, or as many as Wait, what? twelve weeks. <laughs> what? Well, if if it's out in two weeks, I'm screwed big time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, out, it's out September second. <laughs> well, you're gonna know though, right? You're gonna have a GM, and you're gonna have developers submitting apps. Like it's not a it's not like it's just gonna happen. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. They will at least still say, like, you know, develop a One week in advance, we are gonna get at least one week. Was it with now, 13 they gave people like a weekend? Or maybe it was with um, Catalina. There was some recent update recently. They were like, uh, it's coming out Monday, release your apps. And it was a Friday. Maybe it was Catalina. Hmm. Yeah, maybe it was Catalina. No, with 13, they did the thing where they split it in two releases, 13 and 13.1. And 13.1, yeah. iPadOS was actually 13.1, and then they they gave us a date, something like September 30th for 13.1, and then a couple of days after, they changed their mind, and they'll be like, oh, no, it's actually coming September 24th or something like that. Like, it it was all over the place. Um, So... Okay, uh, the review. I think I'm um, about halfway through, honestly. Uh, as I mentioned before, I've, it's been going slower than usual. Again, you can listen to the pre-show to sort of get the get a context around that. However, I feel good about the fact that the most challenging sections, chapters actually, I have done up front. And so right. it makes me feel good to know that I've done... Uh, the introduction, which I always struggle with, and home screen. So home screen includes widgets and the app library and all that stuff. And I'm basically done with design as well. I think as soon as I'm done with the iPadOS chapter, I really feel like it's all going to be much easier from there because then I'm going to have to write about shortcuts and apps. And shortcuts, I feel like it's going to be really easy this year because there there aren't that many new actions to write about. And the apps chapter is going to be basically just write about all the new features in every single app. Because I would imagine a lot of the things in shortcuts you would maybe cover in design. Some, because, uh, very good point. Some of them I yeah. do. Um, yeah. So the as, shortcuts chapter itself probably isn't that big even though a lot happened because again it's like as well a lot of the stuff that was is really good about shortcuts this year it's building on what was started last year exactly 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 so um i'm gonna feel i'm gonna start ipadOS tomorrow the ipadOS chapter tomorrow and once i'm done with that i'm gonna feel a lot better uh because i feel like shortcuts apps and the and the conclusion those are 
easily chapters that I can do in late August and early September because it's just a matter of like there's no big overarching theme right in in, in like messages as a bunch of new features and you know what's new in mail what's new in safari and uh, the fact that I've been able to deal with these bigger themes now, so compact UI and widgets and what's happening on iPad, that's the meaty part of the review. So um, a bit slower than usual, however, feeling good about it. And uh, if they, I'm assuming that, it, so if this is coming out in mid-September, as usual, I have about a month and I'm feeling pretty good about that, uh, especially because it looks like I'm going to be at home um, early September, like I'm not going anywhere. I have to stay home, so that works well for me. Um, if it's late September, then great. And if it's early October, even better. So, But let's just say that I have a, about a month, maybe like 35 days, right? Uh, mm -hmm. In previous years, it launched around September 15th or 16th. So... I will make it happen if it's mid-September. If it's any earlier than that, I will not be ready and people are going to have to wait. Uh, otherwise, like in terms of the process itself, I've been using MindNode a lot. I mentioned this before, I think. I'll, I've been using this visual tags, which is a new feature in MindNode, uh, basically to tag different sections of the map I'm using a mind map to manage all the different chapters and sections and subsections of the review. And I have these tags in MindNode that mean different things. Uh, there's a tag called Write Later, which, as the name says, uh, it's something that I, I cannot write about right now, such as setup and performance, because I want to write about that stuff at the very end of the beta process. Uh, there's another tag called Tidbits, which is like the small and hidden features that I want to make sure I can collect in a single place this year. So I've been using this new feature of MindNote 7 a lot. And everything else, I mean, I'm still using IA Writer. Uh, I plan on using the content blocks feature of IA Writer again. That's where you can bring in, like, images, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Content blocks allow you to embed local image uh, image attachments in in a markdown document and so that when you preview the document it looks like you actually have uploaded images inside the html but you actually don't you have a reference to a local file in there um which is the these two features content blocks and my custom preview theme in IE Writer, they are the reason why I'm not using Ulysses. Because if I remember correctly, that custom theme that you have, yeah, I think I had the snapshot. It looks like the 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 template for the review itself, doesn't it? I I have two custom preview templates in IE Writer. One that looks exactly like the regular website, and the other that looks exactly like the iOS review. Um, so it's really helpful to confirm that the review is looking fine before I even put it on the on the website. And these two features are the reason why I'm not using Ulysses. I have considered Ulysses again, especially because they now have this super handy feature the in the sidebar. They they have an outline view where you can easily jump around between sections of a document. And as you can imagine, like these longer chapters, there are like eight thousand words. It really would be convenient to have a to have an outline of all the sections and jump around to those sections 
with just a single tap. Mm. But that's not that's available in Ulysses now. I know that apps like Drafts have the same uh, feature. IA Writer does not. However, in considering I mean, like even Google Docs has that. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> However, like in th- in thinking about this, like, am I willing to give up my custom preview and my content blocks based system because of an outline mode? And I think the you know the answer is no because I think those features are really really important to me. I have a question from Matt in the Discord, which is a good question. How do you handle the content blocks thing when it comes to publishing a WordPress? Like what, what happens to the content ah, block? Ah, good question. So what I do is a couple of things are happening. So in terms of the text itself, I have a, a document called zero-table of contents. The zero is necessary because in IE Writer, if I sort... Alphabetically, it sits at the very top of my document list. That table of contents has itself content blocks for all the chapters. And here's where the trick comes in. I have different versions of the table of contents depending on what version of the review I am compiling. I have a table of contents for the website and I have another table of contents for the ebook version for Club Mac Stories members. So different sections, like different pieces of syntax go in each different table of content. Um, for the images, what I do is I have a script. Here's all, this is ready because I'm, this is going to be really, really geeky. So the beauty of IA Writer is that it uses iCloud Drive. Because it uses iCloud Drive and because it supports content blocks, it means that I can save screenshots as local references in iCloud Drive inside the IA Writer slash iOS Review slash Images subfolder. The real sleight of hand here is to use Scriptable, so the JavaScript utility by Simon Strovering in the in the as sort of like the middleman in this process. So once I have the draft of the review ready, all my images are content blocks references. None of them has been uploaded. I've created the script that it lets me select a line of text. So it lets me select this path of the content block. I run the script, and thanks to bookmarks, Scriptable can actually look into that IA Writer subfolder. So Scriptable sees the line of text, which is a file path, goes to that file path, takes the local image, uploads the image to my CDN, turns that public HTTPS link to the markdown image syntax, and all of this happens like four seconds, right? And then I can, in the, in the document, the content block path is still selected. So all I need to do is command V, and I paste, and the content block path is replaced by a public HTTP URL to the image. Right. So... So yeah. there is there is kind of a man whilst there's a lot of automation happening here, which is amazing. There's still a manual part of it where you're you're replacing each link manually. Is that right? Like every content block, but you want to review them anyway. I'm sure, but yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I was I was about to say this is on purpose because when I run the script, it show it brings up really quickly a quick look preview that lets me just double check. Okay, yes, this is the right image. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's clever. Yeah, so and I, like last year, I, 
I timed myself. I've been able to go through, I think, 250 local image references in like 45 minutes. Really, really awesome automation. I created this automation. Like, it's one of those examples of like, oh, this is really complicated. Why would you do this sort of automation? Just use a Mac, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I created this automation three, two years ago, and it served me well literally thousands of times for all the big stories that I've done beyond the tablet and the iOS 13 review. And um, there was another story that I used it for. I think also the iOS 12 review maybe actually. So yeah, I uh, created the, this automation years ago and it's still working and it's still awesome. So yeah, that's how, that's how the, that works behind the scenes. And the final thing I want to say, I guess... Um, DevonThink, we talked about it before. All my research and PDF documents were stored in there. I made a good call. I'm really happy with it. I use DevonThink as a database for PDFs uh, saved from Apple.com. And I used Highlights, which is a PDF annotation utility uh, on the iPad mm, to go into that DevonThink location because Highlights uses the files uh, document browser. And I just annotated with highlights and exported my annotations with highlights. So that worked awesome. really well. Mm. And I've been using uh, the Mac Storage shortcuts icons in my node. Uh, so I know that like those were made for shortcuts, uh, but I figured, you know, they also kind of work in my node as a way to uh, give a bit of visual flair to the map. And so all my chapters, they have a, a specific shortcuts icon, uh, which works because both the icon and the map have a white, a solid white background. So you really, they, those icons really blend in quite well. And um, yeah, my, my only issue right now is the, as I mentioned, the slower than usual progress. However, I think everything will be fine. And the fact that the betas are really buggy, especially beta 4, it's not, not great. And so... Been going kind of slow on that front as well. Stephen, have you started or decided on a big set review? Yeah, so what I'm going to do is instead of a, a wide-reaching review, uh, I'm going to do what I did with Mac OS X Yosemite and, and write a review basically focused on the design of the OS. So Yosemite was the first version that gave us the look we have now, the kind of flat look. And I was able to really dive into that and, and talk about a lot of the, uh, the features in detail as far as the design. I kind of leave the rest of it alone. Now, I did it then because my wife and I just had our third child and we launched Relay FM like the same fall. It was a, the fall of 2014 was very hectic. Um, but in thinking about Big Sur, what it'll be remembered for is the design and eventually the Apple Silicon stuff, but I kind of am treating that as a separate thing. And so that that's my plan. So I do have some notes and some screenshots kind of slowly building uh, reference material, and I hope to start writing relatively soon. Uh, the first couple of betas, they changed some things. In fact, the most current beta, they just changed the way dark mode and vibrancy work together. So I've been holding off a little bit, but I feel like if we get another beta down and it's the same as this one, then I will probably start uh, start in on this. But it's it's not as wide-reaching as, definitely as a full OS review and, and shouldn't be nearly as long. So 
That's uh, that's my plan as it stands. I think a design review makes the most sense for this. Yeah, it does. One anyway, because it's like it's a lot. And even if you wrote a regular review, you'd spend most of your time talking about the design anyway. So, you know. Yeah, and I, I mean, and my plan is to cover the Apple Silicon stuff when it happens. And so, I feel like in a big Sir review, saying something like, "Oh, and it will run iPad apps," like we don't know what that's like yet. I can deal with that when it happens. Yeah, that makes more sense to to know that you'll be writing some other big stuff, kind of maybe review kind of size later mm-hmm. on in the year, right? And yep. So you kind of parcel it out a little bit. Yeah, so that's uh, that's my plan with with all those factors. So yeah, I'm excited about it. I think it's an exciting year for the Mac. It's just one that is going to be really busy <laughs> between now and the end of the year. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Mint Mobile, the folks who can cut your wireless bill to fifteen dollars a month with their futuristic approach to wireless. This is really easy. You get a SIM card, a bunch of stuff in the mail, pop it in your phone, go to the website, give it the activation number. And within a few minutes, I had Mint Mobile up and running on my uh, Google Pixel 3a, the Android phone I keep. Uh, Really easy to do and super cheap. So if you're still on one of those big wireless providers, you have to ask what you're paying for. Expensive retail stores, inflated prices, hidden fees. They have a lot of opportunity to take advantage of paying customers. And that's where Mint Mobile comes in. They provide the same premium network coverage that you're used to, but at a fraction of the cost because everything is online. They save on retail locations and overhead and pass those savings directly to you, making it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text, and you can stop paying for unlimited data that you're probably never ever going to use actually. So you can choose between plans of 3, 8, or 12 gigabytes of 4G LTE data. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep the same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Just ditch your old wireless bill and start saving today with Mint Mobile. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get it shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com connected. That's mintmobile.com connected. Go there now and cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month. mintmobile.com connected. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for their support of the show and Relay FM. So to round out uh, this episode, we're going to get into sort of a, a weird topic. It's one that's been on my mind for a little while, and I thought it would be fun to uh, to talk about on the show. And that is looking at Apple's uh, strategy specifically around press releases. So I've been on a bit of a vision quest through the Apple Newsroom archives. They have everything going back to 2000 on their website, which for Apple is like uh, ancient history. I can't believe it goes back so far. You can find even older stuff on things like the Wayback Machine. Um, But I wanted to look at a few things. I wanted to look at the number of releases per year and why those numbers have changed and kind of what we think about what Apple currently views as worthy of a press release because i think that's really the heart of this is what do they see as being worth that space and and people's attention so one might say you've channeled your inner jason snell Mm -hmm. to do this yes i've made a chart uh that'll be in the show notes and it's in the discord right now looking at the av the number of apple press releases per year from 2000 to 2019 so uh, 19 years worth of history. Can't do 2020, obviously, because we're still in the middle of it. So, and I should say a couple like meta notes. The chart does not include 
separate Apple TV press releases. That's like its own separate press website. And I just want to look at Apple itself. I didn't really know how to like work in the Apple TV stuff. And so I thought it was simpler just to kind of leave that off the table. Um, and just for if Apple decide to leave it out, then you can leave it out, right? Yeah. If it was on their main website, I would have counted it. Well, because as well, some TV uh, press releases do get newsroom releases if they're big enough. Mm-hmm. And some just stay on the Apple TV one. So it could be a bit peculiar. 2020 so far. So to just to have that number out there, as of today, only 41 releases in 2020. So if you look at this at this chart, 2019 was 136, uh, an all-time high. So they are a little behind uh, at this point in 2020, but uh, we can get to that. So just some other numbers just to kind of lay some groundwork. Uh, 2012 to 2015 was a bit of a low spot with an average of about 50 of an average of 51 and a half releases out each year so about one a week on average that doesn't mean there is one a week wwc there's eight in a day right it's just on average Uh, about one a week oh so that's how averages work uh no no it was more like i was wondering it seemed high like the numbers seemed high but i didn't think that like on a day that apple does one thing they frequently do like five things they're very lucky (laughs) in their releases yeah uh, 2019, like I said, had 136, an average of 2.6 per week. Again, that doesn't mean every week had 2.6. They're still lumpy. Uh, I had kind of thought that the early years would be smaller, but that's actually uh, not true. So 2000 to 2006 had an average of 89 a year. And then in 2007, the year of the iPhone, Apple published 75. So they were... There's a weird logic to that, though. Because in 2000 to 2006, Apple were maybe a little more thirsty for press coverage. Hmm. So, like, they would maybe put a release out about, like, everything, <laughs> right? Which they might not do now. I don't know. Maybe. Um, so, you can, you can look at this graph again. It's in the show notes and uh, go check it out. So, it's been up and down over the years, but in the current era, it's been up and up and up. So... There are some things that you look at this and, and make some assumptions that I think we need to look at. So I think the biggest assumption is, well, Apple has more press releases because Apple's a bigger company now. And that is partially true, but it's not a hard and fast rule. That quiet time from 2012 to 2015, Apple had more products than they did in 2002. Right? They had the iPhone. Mm-hmm. And the iPad, at the beginning of those years, the iPods were still kicking around, kind of. More Macs. They had more products, but it was quieter for some reason. We're going to get into maybe some of my reasons why I think it was. In the early years, though, it was really focused on products. So software releases. Hey, there's a new version of this or that uh, software that Apple makes. Uh, Mac hardware, of course, will get press releases Early services like iTools and .Mac show up in here, and then events. So WWDC, MacWorld Expo, there used to be several MacWorld World events a year, and often Steve Jobs or others would speak at several a year. They all get announced in, in this these press release archives. And then, especially early on, a lot of corporate information. So quarterly calls, changes to the board of directors, which there were a lot of in Jobs' early years, and... Sort of oddly, especially in the early, like, 2000, 2001, 2002, multiple lawsuits that Apple 
one against other companies for infringing on their designs or the technology or something like that. So a lot of sort of corporate stuff in those early couple of years. Over time, iPod showed up, iTunes Music Store showed up. They're just all over the place in the early to mid-2000s. There are a ton of press releases of, hey, we've sold X number of iPods, X number of songs on the iTunes Music Store. And older products began to fade. You don't see a lot of web objects and Apple Works press releases in the mid-2000s. But you do see things like iMovie and iDVD and eventually iLife and iWork sort of come to prominence in the the mid uh, to late 2000s. And you also see the growth of Apple retail. So uh, we see a lot of that now. That's one thing I want to talk about in the current era. But even in the early to mid aughts, a lot of you know new Apple stores opening up. Hey, we've we've made this much money in retail stores, this many visitors. Uh, we're in this new country for the first time. A lot of that in those early days as well. As we move on a little bit uh, to 2012 to 2015, looking back, this was kind of a quiet couple of years for Apple, right? It's the first years under Tim Cook. There was no, quote, new product until the Apple Watch was announced. Right. The Mac hardware cycle has slowed down a lot. Now, the iPhone and iPad were humming along in these years. But this is the time frame where a lot of people, especially towards the end of it, were complaining that Apple had its eye off the ball with Mac releases, right? You don't have a lot of uh, new stuff. You have the trash can Mac Pro sitting there unchanged starting in 2013. MacBook Pro is falling behind. Mac Mini is getting worse. Kind of a, a downtime for the Mac, and I think that's reflected in the number of releases they had. I like the thought of the uh, the Apple Watch kind of would have changed things because it's just like another product, right? So that it will increase the averages because you get at least one or two or three more a year every time you introduce a new product line, right? Like that's, you know, more probably multiple. Um, and the chat room points out, uh, Kate, uh, they said that, you know, what happened in 2009? And it may be that is sort of recession, post-recession in the United States, so Apple was maybe moving a little bit more slowly or, or being more judicious about what it would elevate to a press release. I think that's definitely possible. And then we get into the current era. In, so 2016 and up. And we see, I think the, there are two big changes. One, features of software start gaining their own press releases. So the last several years, we've had press releases about new emoji, things in the health app, health studies, uh, Siri features. There was one last year or maybe earlier this year about Siri and the Super Bowl, like individual features or components of software. Uh, was that the, the Rock commercial? Mm, I don't know, maybe. Um, Siri and the Super Bowl? I think it was the one. Do you remember that? Siri and the oh, Rock I know. video? I know. We all know you love the Rock. Everyone loves the Rock. I think that commercial, I want to believe that The Rock either retweeted or replied to John Voorhees on Twitter. <laughs> I think he did. I think that's true. <laughs> yeah, I think like John tweeted about it and like The Rock loved it. Like he was super happy about the tweet. I'm going to find I that tweet. W- I will find it. Hold on, please. <laughs> I found it. It includes the, the gif of Eddie Q dancing. Really? Does it? <laughs> yeah, oh, that no. was... How... <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes in Discord. 
<laughs> it, it, John, said, John, John quote tweeted The Rock and said, I can't wait to do it. And then The Rock quote tweeted John and said, you better get ready to groove. The- <laughs> when you watch our new Apple commercial tomorrow. I just, oh. uh, yeah. So that was the summer of 2017. So not the Super Bowl. Okay. That's amazing. Man, John. Way to go, John. John worries. He's close personal friends with The Rock. Uh, So we we see a lot of the feature stuff. We also see more coverage of the App Store. Uh, But I think a big change is Apple's public good initiative. So things like converting to green energy, other environmental projects Apple takes on, civil rights, uh, all these sort of political or sociological things that Apple is doing, some of those now end up in the press releases. And that's a very modern Apple thing. That's even in just the last few years, people like Lisa Jackson and others taking on a bigger role in the company. Uh, And I think that's great. I think that stuff should be given the same platform as, hey, we have new AirPods or a new iPad mini or whatever. Um, Also seeing roundups. So WWC used to be, you know, eight or nine releases now they also do roundup releases like you know here's uh everything that went down they talk about reviews of their products so the last couple years they've had hey the new iphone is out these are what the reviewers were saying out as a press release stories about people how use their products so they've really added softer stories to the apple newsroom over time not just this is a new computer this is how fast it is but this is what we're doing out in the world or how our computers are used etc now, I'm curious what you guys think about this. Like, do you think Apple does it too often? Do you think the balance is good? Any thoughts? Well, I don't see most of the press releases, right? So, like, the only press releases that I ever see are the ones that, in a way, I want to know about. So, like, I don't follow the Apple newsroom like I know Federico does. Yeah, I have. It's the it's the only alert I have in Apple News. I wish it was just that. I follow the newsroom and I have notifications for that. Yes, what and I mean, I, it's not just like a, like how <laughs> I put it in RSS. No, it's like it, <laughs> if if something gets published to Apple Newsroom, I think like a, a, a siren goes off in Federico's. I, f- front, I follow a Twitter know. account just for those, and I have pushover alerts for for yeah. It's a it's a whole it's a whole thing that I have going. Yeah. So like I you know I I don't really feel. Like I get a lot of the press releases, right? So like they could put one out every day and it wouldn't make much of a difference to me, right? Like I don't, I just wouldn't notice unless it was something that is going to get shared. Um, or like, you know, there might be like a certain time where I'm checking the newsroom because I think something's going to happen, right? You know, like, you know, like you get those weeks where it's like, oh, is this the week where they're going to do something new every day at like 10 a.m., right? And so like I'll check then. But most of the stuff, like I don't I don't see it. And and to be honest, I don't really want to either, right? Like mm-hmm. this is my strategy when it comes to, to any type of news of following the right sources so I just get the, the, the bubbled up information that I want. Like I don't want to read every press release Apple puts out, nor do I really want to read many of the press releases, right? Like, even the ones, the stuff that I'm interested in, it's very rare that I'll read the press release because I will go to the actual home of the thing, 
Right? So if Apple put out a press release that says new MacBook Pro, well, I'll go to the Mac web, like the Mac page on their website and look at the product. You know what I mean? So it doesn't really... I'm pleased that they do it so it's there if I need it, but like I I don't feel that connected to the Apple newsroom, except for images for chapter artwork. I like it for that. Most press releases I don't care about. A lot of them, because I also follow the Italian newsroom, right? So I'm exposed to the two layers of 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 press releases there. Mm-hmm. Some of them from the US, I really don't care about because they 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 are about like very US specific things that either we cannot use or we don't have here in Italy or just a, an initiative that Apple is only doing in the United States. So personally speaking, I keep the notifications on and I still follow them all. Um, sometimes I've seen announcements and like in talking over Slack with John and Ryan, we went like, ah, did that really need to be a press release? Like sometimes they feel a little, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Over eager to share, maybe to hit the publish button on the newsroom. However, I will say that professionally speaking, so as you know, as the person in charge of a website that writes about Apple, I appreciate the fact that Apple is now much more open in detailing all the things that they're doing, like all these initiatives that get press releases. Like, I think it's great. Because it allows us to to have like official statements and numbers and and stats that we can write about, um, and it's been, I think it's been really interesting to follow. Like professionally speaking, like all these things that Apple is doing on the side, like the Everyone Can Code initiative, for example, that always gets a press release. I think it's been really fascinating to observe the evolution of that over the years, and I think having a place like the newsroom where they can share photos and they can share, you know, that they can be. I feel like the old the old press portal was just about like product releases and I feel like the newsroom because of the of the photography because of the different design I feel like that allows them to be much more open and to and to feature and highlight stories that maybe before they wouldn't have done and so I think overall like prof- again professionally speaking that's a positive Personally speaking, sometimes I've gone, eh, well, I, I don't really care, personally. I will, I think overall, even though some press releases, they feel like, yeah, this could have just been like a statement to a website or something. Overall, I will take the new the newsroom over the older system. I think even though the number has increased and it's become a much more, it's more high volume than before. I really like it though. I like I love I love the design, the notifications via Apple News. So I will take it over the older design, over the older page, and you know, the older approach that it was strictly like either product based or yeah, Steve Jobs saying we sold a million iPhones in forty days, something like that. Um, so I I love the more you know free form sort of approach. Maybe it's like a blog, which obviously I appreciate. And to thank Federico, they do all of this without a named chief of. Uh, ah, 
right? I know, right? Without a person that you can say, oh, that person is the, ch- the head of PR. Head of if, PR. Only, <laughs> if, if only, if only they gave us, because there must be, right? There must be somebody in charge. Uh, maybe, maybe they'll do it in early 2021. They don't need to do it any sooner than that, I don't think. We, we just need a name. We just need, I just need, you put your name out there, I get my point, we're all happy. You're happy because you've officialized the person in charge. I'm happy because that point will allow me to win the annual Rickies. It's all, it all, you it all works out. You are aware that that is not your Ricky, right? Like that is just your round well, one annual pick. Sure, but that, you know, it's the, in Italy we have a saying, it says it's the <laughs> sum that ma- it's the sum that makes the total, you know. <laughs> it's so just math. Every, every yes, but every single point counts. So it may be a sing- it may be a single individual point, but it, it'll it'll get me the win. I'm well, sure. If you get that one single point, it will currently just tie you with me and Stephen. Look, you're gonna lose somehow. So am I? I don't think I am. Just wait. It's August. Mm-hmm. Soon it'll be September. And with that, it'll be the change of the seasons. And the tide, the tide, will, do, 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 does the tide change? What does the tide do? Turns. The tide shifts, turns. The tide will turn in my favor. The tide Can doesn't the tide, turn. That's the, the phrase. Tide, the, it's a phrase. No, you're thinking Amer- of look, the tables turn. L- l- the tide, no. no. The, t- the tide too. Look, in America, we have a saying, okay? And the tide turns this <laughs> <laughs> is not a phrase the, the turning shifts of the, the turning Shift. of the tides the, the tide tides okay don't worry about it i don't know. just wait for the tide is okay so, so like googling <laughs> say that the tide turns is a, is a thing oh how the tables turn how the turntables how the turntables <laughs> <laughs> If you want to find links to everything we spoke about, head on over to the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 307. While you're there, you can get in touch with an email or you can become a member to enjoy an ad-free, extra-long version of every episode, including this one. If you have your calendar out, make a note for Tuesday, August 18th at 1130 a.m. Eastern Time. Catch Mike and I at twitch.tv slash relay.fm. Really excited about that. You can find us all on Twitter. Federico is there as Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he's the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. You can find Mike online as I-M-Y-K-E, and Mike hosts a bunch of shows here on Relay FM. Mike, name one of the shows you host. <laughs> um, Just say Connected. Connected. <laughs> <laughs> so go check out Connected if you haven't heard that before. It's pretty good. The the American he he never mispronunciates anything. Oh my good. god! <laughs> See, there you, you know how the tides turn. <laughs> you said that word wrong in two different ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, please subscribe and leave a like. Whatever, can you like podcasts? You can. You probably can somewhere. <laughs> so, you take a picture of a thumbs up sign and mail it to us. That's how we know. <laughs> Hit the bell icon. Hit Smash the bell. The bell icon. Smash Hit the, the bell. bell. There, there you go. go. There's the actual bell. You can follow me on Twitter as ISMH and find my writing about old computers and new computers at 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Squarespace, ExpressVPN, and Mint Mobile.
And until next time, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. I bought the wheels. <laughs>